Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I thank you all for joining me today. And to all of you listening in the United States, this is the Monday before Thanksgiving. So I want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving, and hopefully we can find some things to be thankful for this year. I know I personally am thankful for the community of physical therapists that I'm so proud to be a part of. I am thankful for a ever-supporting, supportive and loving family and friends, and of course, the big fat cat Benson that keeps popping in and out of podcasts almost every time I do them. So I'm super thankful and also happy that I have my health, that I'm living pain-free now, and there's so many people to thank for that, it's ridiculous. But Let's get to today's episode. So today, I sat down with Dr. Jamie Schreier. So in 2004, Jamie was facing the soul-crushing struggles of private practice ownership. He couldn't figure out how to grow his business without sacrificing his family, income, or time. Armed with an insatiable curiosity, Jamie invested the next nine years and over $300,000 to learn how to automate his practice. At the end of his journey, he finally discovered the formula to creating a self-managed, profitable, and stable practice that allowed more time with his family and more time to work on his business. Today, Jamie is sharing his methodology and what he learned to practice what, what he learned to practice owners all across the country. His book, The Automated Practice, Success Secrets for Working Less and Earning More, which we talk about a lot during this interview, has been an Amazon number one bestseller, and his online education course, The Automated Private Practice, has helped hundreds of owners with concrete strategies to automate and grow their business. Today, Jamie spends most of his time teaching practice owners how to apply these methodologies through his revolutionary program called Lighthouse Leader. You can find all of this on his website and everything is on the show notes. So please head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and click on the show notes. All the links are there. We could not make it easier for you. So head on over there, get the show notes. And I have to say, in talking with Jamie, uh, we did the interview last week, I learned so much now that I feel like I can plug into my practice. You know, it's ever you're if you when you're a practice owner, you're always learning. You always want to get better. You always want to improve your business because in the end, it improves your patient experience, it improves your relationships with your patient and with family and friends, and you're not all stressed out and bogged down with work. So very happy for ja- uh, to Jamie for coming on and sharing all of his words of wisdom. Now, the other big thing that's happening today is my interview. That's right. I was a guest on Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, and it is live today, Monday, the 21st. This is also my sister's birthday, so happy birthday to her. But I want to uh, definitely head, uh, check out Entrepreneur on Fire uh, podcast because my interview is today. And I talk about not only what it's like being an entrepreneur, but what it's like being a physical therapist and an entrepreneur. I'm a big believer that more physical therapists need to get uh, onto different podcasts and publications that aren't just all physical therapy. If we want to push the profession forward, I truly believe that we need to start venturing out and putting ourselves into situations and onto podcasts 
class that maybe we otherwise wouldn't be. So a huge thank you to John Lee Dumas for being, of course, a rock star interviewer. I learned a lot from him just from being on his show. So head over to Entrepreneur on Fire and get that interview downloaded. Um, I hope it's good. I think it's good. Um, Okay, so without further ado, let's get into today's podcast on Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, talking about the automated practice with Dr. Jamie Schreier. Hey, Jamie, happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Happy to be here. Great. So I just, and it's like, we're doing this over Skype so we can see each other. And I just saw you at the Women in PT Summit a couple weeks ago. So happy to be chatting again. And thank you for coming to the summit and and not being too caught off guard when I called all the men out <laughs> to get onto no, the mic and it, it was great. It was, it was nice to be the few testosterone-filled uh, men in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. We're happy to have you. So listen, before we get into the sort of the meat of this podcast, can you give the listeners a little bit more in-depth look into you and your story? And, and then that will give people... I think a better framework when we start talking about the automated practice and start talking about uh, challenges facing practice owners and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like like most, I guess most owners, um, you know, I've always wanted to kind of do my own thing. So after school, you know, bounced around a little bit uh, with hospitals and private practice, a little bit of a director gig, and um, in two thousand one. I felt it was just my time to kind of do my own thing, right? All fired up, um, you know, ready to go. I was actually, uh, my fiance at the time, Colleen, she was going to be my uh, front desk person and just opened the doors, you know, hung out my shingle and, and, you know, went after the American dream doing my own thing. And it was great. I mean, we actually, you know, people talked about it and like, oh, how was it working with your fiance? And now she's my wife. And I said, you know what? It, it was fantastic. Until about 18 months to, to two years. That's when the quote unquote honeymoon period ended. And it wasn't because of um, any, you know, our relationship that was the problem. It was because the business that I was in, which I didn't realize I was in a business, um, became more evident. It became more obvious that this was the business of physical therapy. And she, um, after we got married, um, she got pregnant with our, with our son. And literally my first challenge, real challenge was how do I replace her at the front desk? And I mean, it was $14 an hour. I was officially paying her. Um, and I didn't know how to do it. And I thought if I could hire someone, which I've never done before, and teach them how to do this, I'd be like the greatest person in the world. I'd like be the, the best business person ever if I could do this. And I was scared to death and I didn't know how to do it. And I especially didn't know how I could afford it. That was my big thing. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And, you know, she felt bad, but I knew, you know, being at home with our son, Jack, I knew that was you know, more, not only more important, I knew that's what she does. She would love to be, um, you know, stay at home with him and I would want her to do that. So that was like my biggest challenge. And there were several after that. And what happened was it it started to really become this business of stress. And I wasn't as happy going to work as I once was. I was, you know, 
you know, you put on the fake smile, you know, you, you smile to everybody. Everyone says, you know, how you doing? You say, great, you know, kind of that kind of stuff. But it, it really wasn't. It, it was really starting to increase my stress level. And I started to, you know, look in the future um, and see, you know, five, 10 years down the road. And I was just not painting a picture that um, that I liked. I was really, it was really a picture of, you know, what's really going to change here. Um, you know, I'm kind of trapping myself in the business. I started to read, you know, some of these books that were out there and I just realized this is, I, I was trapping myself. You know, I was working in the business. I had no way of getting out. And I made a decision shortly after a, a pretty crazy experience happened. We actually had a fire. Um, I, I went away for the weekend. There was a bathroom next door in the hallway, community, community bathroom, and it's just electrical fire. And my whole entire facility burnt down, uh, in 2004. So literally three years later, I was just in the midst of this stress in the midst of, Oh my God, what I'm going to do. And it's almost like the sign from above came and it said, you will start over. And I, I, actually tried to get out of it. I just, you know, said, you know what, if I can get out of this, maybe I should do something else. Maybe this isn't right. Maybe this was not the best choice for me. Um, all the negative stuff about healthcare was being, you know, said kind of like it is nowadays, but it, it always seems to be, um, you know, doom and gloom, competition, hospitals, everything else. And, um, and instead, because I couldn't get out of my lease, I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this on my terms. I'm going to build a business where I can actually leave uh, for a day or two and not worry about it, not stress out. So that became my mission. That became my 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 big vision, so to speak. And I spent the next nine years figuring that out and going through a lot of trials and errors, uh, a lot of ups and downs, um, spent um, or I should say invested a lot of money. Uh, different programs, different mentors, um, everything and anything. I just wanted to learn how to do this, um, going against kind of what people said I should be doing. Um, you know, people were saying, you know, this is your shingle. This is your business. Uh, people won't refer to you if you remove yourself from some of the day-to-day -day stuff. And I said, I don't care. I said, I want to find that out myself. So in 2013, uh, just fast forward, and we'll get into some of the good stuff of how I did it. But in 2013, I actually did it. I officially went into my front desk person and I said, Claudia, physically remove me from the EMR system. So you cannot put someone on my schedule, even if I asked you to, which, of course, I was doing all the time. Uh, I'll just fit that person in. And when that happened, I was scared but excited. You know how you just get fearful, but the fear was motivating and I was like, okay, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen now. I personally just removed myself all over, you know, entirely off the schedule. And my business shot up and the energy shot up and I couldn't believe my eyes. And um, that was in 2013 in January, January 14th to be exact. And after that happened, I said, I, I have something here. I did something that was, I think, really powerful and that could help other people. And I started to um, take what I've learned over the last nine years and use that 
use the lessons I've learned and the information I've learned and what I uh, what I figured out to help other practice owners. And and that's really what I've been doing over the last three years. So that's my story. That's the story. So it sounds like you kind of went from a place of being overworked and stressed out, which I think can happen when you own any small business, but especially when you're in the physical therapy business, because you have to be a business owner as well as the therapist. And you don't have to be perfect at both, but you should be good at both. You know, and that can be very stressful. So it sounds like you went from this ball of stress, if you will, and not quite sure, not quite knowing where you want to go and what path you want to go on to then really investing in yourself, becoming a better leader, becoming you know, more confident in how the business can run without you to be able to step away. And I think it's important to note that that doesn't happen overnight. No, it, it doesn't happen overnight. That that's for sure. Um, and I, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It's, I mean, the stress, you know, we, we talk about stress. I mean, there's not a person in the world that's not stressed on some level, but stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we grow because of stress on our joints and stress on our bones and they grow. So it's, it's the type of stress. So with my stress and what I found since then from working and talking with a lot of other owners uh, in the healthcare field and outside of the field as well, is it's, it was a stress of not knowing what I was doing. And, you know, I, I think um, I used to be somewhat of a perfectionist, more so than I am now. And I think a lot of us are, especially when we're in the quote unquote smart professions, you know, professions where you go to school to learn specifically something like physical therapy, doctor, dentist, accountant, etc. Um, you have to be somewhat of a perfectionist. You have to be extremely hard worker and a very smart person to get through all of that. So the stress of not knowing what to do in a business for almost the first time in who knows how long, that causes a lot of worry. Um, the other stress is financial stress. It's not like I was making a half million dollars a year and I was stressed and not happy in my business. Um, I probably still would have been unhappy in my business, but at least I wouldn't have had the financial stress. And I don't think there's any worse stress than financial stress, at least for me. So it was the financial stress on top of it, which was causing me to make, you know, terrible decisions on top of that. And then it just compounded the stress of not knowing what I was doing. So I think those were two really big stressors. And you, and you know what, Karen, the, the, the third one turned out to be kind of the biggest of them all. And that was the stress of, I was not becoming, I was becoming less and less the person who I thought I was. Mm. I was becoming less of my true, what I call authentic self. I wasn't being me. I was trying to operate in this, I don't know, in this idea of what I should be. And I was getting more and more away of kind of my true self, so to speak. It's kind of an interesting thing. But um, looking back, I just realized that I'm not happy. I wasn't being me. I had this financial worry and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So you, you combine those stresses you got some major stuff going on. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting that you felt like you weren't the person that you thought you would be or should be. So I guess the question I have is, 
who were you trying to be at that time that you felt like you weren't being yourself? Yeah, I mean, good question. I don't know. I mean, this vision of what an owner should be, mm-hmm. you know, walking around like you're the, the big king of the place, like everyone's telling you you are. You have your own business. Man, I didn't have a business. I, I had a, a legal name of Schreier Physical Therapy Incorporated, but that's it. Other than that, I pretty much had a job. And my job was I was the physical therapist. But I also had other jobs that I mostly ignored. I was also the bookkeeper. I was also the, the billing manager. I was also the clinical director. I was also the HR person. I, w- I had so many other roles that I really had no clue about. So the one role that I knew the best that I spent my entire life learning more or less and then spent so much time and effort and money learning was my physical trait of how to treat. So that was the easiest part for me to do, which I think it is for many owners because you know I've never met an owner yet that starts their own business that isn't good at treating. But it was uh, it was helping me focus on treating, treating, treating because that's where I got the most joy, while I literally alienated everything else. So yeah. that just compounded the problem. Because I didn't know what to do or where to begin. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important to note that if you are going to take that entrepreneurial leap into opening up your own practice, that you are wearing, especially in the physical therapy world, two different hats. Yes, you are the physical therapist. Because when you open up, it's not like you're opening up a PT or maybe some people are a PT office and you've already hired five people to work for you. Doesn't usually happen. I'm not saying it never does, but it's not usual. So you're the physical therapist, you're the treating physical therapist, but you have to get into that mindset of you are also the CEO. And I think before you make that entrepreneurial jump, you have to have the right mindset to do that. And you have to have the mindset of saying, you know, yes, I'm I am going to be treating patients, but I'm also the CEO. And as the CEO, the CEO doesn't do everything in the business. I had a guest on a couple of months ago, Stephanie Nikolic, and she said something that is, that's always kind of stuck with me, and that's if you try to do it all, it will keep you small. Mm-hmm. And it's true. So like you said, I was trying to do the bookkeeping, and I was trying to do this, and I was trying to do that, and I was trying to do this. And you know, we'll get into sort of the automated practice and the, the, the steps that you took to make that a little bit easier and to kind of make that those areas of stress um, not quite as stressful but for people out there who are thinking about jumping in and opening up your own practice these are real issues that I think you have to be very comfortable with before you start you have to be comfortable with the mindset of having of yes I am the CEO and yes I'm also the treating therapist because I think that gets lost. And then what happens is, is what happened to you is, well, I'm just going to do what I'm good at. And I'm just going to treat my patients because I'm confident in that role. Whereas before you open your business, you might want to, like you did after the fact, sort of take a lot of different classes and spend a lot of money on becoming a, a better CEO. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you could do it either way. I mean, if you do it beforehand, mm-hmm. um, it, a lot of it may not make sense. So you, you can't get away from that. You, you can't get away from that difficult period of learning. 
and of going through the fire because that's what separates us, right? That's what separates all of us entrepreneurs is we took that risk. We took that chance on ourselves, really. It's, it's, the, it's the people that go into business for themselves that when you ask them, what do you do? Their answer is, I'm a physical therapist or I'm a fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what you do. That's, that's the degree you have. What do you actually do? I'm the owner of a physical therapy practice. Because you have to start using language like that because that puts you in that mindset of that role. I'm an owner of a physical therapy practice. Now, I might be playing the role of clinician right now, which, of course, I am. And I uh, absolutely agree with you that most small business um, practice owners, providers get into business by really starting off with them, maybe a partner. But it's not a huge, you know, 50 clinic type of thing. So it is going to be you initially. The question is, how quickly are you going to grow? And we're going to get into some of that today, but it's really going to be based on what you what you want and what you're willing to let go of. And if you try to do it all, you absolutely will stay small. Not only you'll stay small, you'll stay broke. I mean, that's the other part that right. you know we don't talk about too much as physical therapists is the financial part. Mm-hmm. And I haven't met a physical therapist yet that did not go into business to be better off than the person that they're paying that's working for them that might be making 70, 80, 90,000 dollars. So there is a financial component there because as an entrepreneur, that's what I define an entrepreneur as, is someone that is taking sole financial risk of their future. So it, it, there's a very clear way on how to do that. And there's a even a clearer way on what not to do. And I think uh, that's why we're here today, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's get into then I think we touched upon a couple of these things, but in in your mind, what are the three biggest challenges facing practice owners today? Yeah. So the, the three biggest challenges, we touched on one of them already. Uh, one of them is leadership. The other is team, staff, employees. And then the other is systems. Or okay. systems and processes. So those let's, three areas. Yeah, let's dive a little bit deeper then into the leadership. So we talked about it a little bit, but why is this leadership, this this concept of leadership, a challenge? Because we don't we don't know how to lead people. What we know how to do is to be led, because we've never truly been in a leadership type of role. See. A leader is the one that's asking the questions, right? A leader is the one that sets the vision, that sets the direction of the company. The leader isn't necessarily doing every little thing in the company. The leader isn't solving everybody's problems when your staff is constantly going to you. So understanding this this, what you said, this mindset and and mindset I know is an overused word and we all use it, but there's just no better word. I mean, the mindset is your, your views, your perception of things. So how you think about something is totally going to affect the actions you take. And if you think of yourself as a clinician, and I know we talk about that, well, you're a clinician first. Well, I'm going to disagree with that. You, you set out to be an owner of a practice. 
You have responsibility to your staff. You have responsibility to the patients you're treating that are coming through your facility, as well as the other referral sources in your community. You have the responsibility as a leader first, because that is much, much greater. That includes your responsibility as a clinician, but a clinician does not include the responsibilities as a leader, as an owner. So leadership is those is the most important part uh, for those reasons. It provides vision. Where is your company going? I know it's just you. IBM was just some guy in a garage. So was Apple, Steve Jobs. It's always that kind of story. What, what separates those guys from the guys that are still in their freaking garage is because they had a vision and they had a passion. Was it clear? I don't know if it was clear. They de- definitely didn't know how it was going to work out, but it didn't stop them from moving forward. And you don't necessarily have to go change the world right now. Just change your situation. Help your community. Whatever your vision is, there's no wrong answer. But the problem is we don't, we're not trained to think like that. We're trained to answer questions. We're trained to know the right answers because that's how school is. The academic institution is the professors in charge. They're the leader. They're the ones asking the questions. And like Pavlov's dog, you're getting rewarded for answering it correctly. You get the little grade. You get the gold star. Well, that's not how it is when you get out into the quote unquote real world of business. There's no gold star. There's only your bank account. There's how many people are being taken care of by your facility. What's your impact in your community? How many relationships are you building? That's your 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 feedback, so to speak, your reward, so to speak. So th- those are those are some real big challenges that for the people that get that. It's not as difficult. I'm not saying there's not a period of learning and growing. There always is. And that never ends. But it's not as difficult. It's not as frustrating. It's not as stressful compared to the people that don't realize that that is the position that you are in whether you realize it or not. And if you don't realize it, it's going to be a very stressful, tough situation for you. And that was what I was dealing with for the first several years of my business before realizing that and turning things around. Yeah. That's why leadership is number one. Yeah. And I mean, and in the end, you know, talking about, you know, having an impact in your community and, and passion for your work and your promise to your community, your patients, your staff, uh, to your facility, it, this all kind of centers around incentives, right? So what is, let's say, what would be the incentive to be a sort of great leader first versus a great clinician first? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, here's the thing. You already are a great clinician. I mean... Like I said, I've never met, and maybe just be me, but I've met hundreds and hundreds of owners, and I've never met one yet that, according to them, did not feel that they were a very good or great clinician, because that's one of the hallmarks of why we go into our own business. We're good at what we do, and we can do it better than our owner is allowing us to do, and we want to keep the money for ourselves. I mean, it's something like that, right? 
I want to do my own thing. I want to have control of my own future. I can treat really, really well. Well, why? You weren't born like that. Well, it might be because you had seven years of training in school and you've spent thousands of dollars after school learning this trade that you're in. And then when I asked, well, how much have you invested in learning how to be a owner of a physical therapy practice? The answer is $14.95 on a book, E-Myth, or the automated practice or whatever. I mean, it's shameless plug, I know. But I mean, it's your answer is that and you wonder why you don't do well in business. It's not because you're not smart. It's not because of you just don't have it. It has nothing to do with that. If you put a third or a quarter or even 10% of the effort that we put in getting this degree and learning this profession, in learning how to grow a business, we would all be extremely successful. All of us. There's no zero-sum game. All of us would be successful because there's 8 million people, 8 billion people on the planet. There's so many people to go around. <laughs> so many more people need what we do than do what we do. But there's not enough leaders to create businesses that last and that grow and that expand. So that's that's my passion and purpose for doing that is to develop people that have successful and growing businesses so we can make a greater impact. And that 100% starts with leadership. My assumption is you know your trade well. And I'm not saying give up on lowering your trade. I'm saying that add this other area that you're, you're, you're spending no time and investing no money. I don't call, I, I don't call things costs. I don't call things expenses. They're investments. This is an investment that you're making. And it's amazing how our mindset does not look at it like that. Mm -hmm. How many people now, Karen, how many people are paying six figures in tuition just in grad school, just in PT school, only to come out to make 70 or $80,000 and basically not be able to pay back their student loans in probably 20 years with no guarantee they're going to get a job. I mean, chances are they will, but there's no guarantee. There's no, there's no, well, if I get into school and I put up all this money, I don't go to the University of Maryland and say, well, where's the guarantee? Where's my guarantee? But it's amazing how we think like, well, if I take this program, though, I want to guarantee that I'm going to be successful. Well, wait a minute. There was no guarantee when you went to college. They didn't guarantee anything. Yeah. They just said that. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? So. I do. I agree. And, and you know, when you take these, uh, well, we can even call them continuing education courses, but more in the business side of things, I mean, you have to do the work. If you don't do the work, so you, if, if you pay $500, $2,000, whatever it is, if you don't put in the work and follow the program, then you're probably not going to be successful. And the same thing goes with your physical therapy career. If you don't put in the work during your schooling or during your clinicals, then you're not going to be successful, you know? So it sure it, sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, you know, I had this conversation today with one of my clients, and we were talking about um, just kind of expanding, like expanding on my business and, um, 
he's in the branding world, so he's a wealth of knowledge, and it's great that I get to, you know, ask all these questions when normally I would not be able to afford him. Um, but we were, and you kind of touched upon some of the stuff that we were literally, I mean, just like an hour, two hours ago talking about this. And, and he said he was, uh, a friend of his wrote a book and it's all about, you know, clarity and clarity of your business, clarity of mind and how you want things to work. And he said, you know, his friend goes with sort of these purpose plus promise equals your passion and that's how you make an impact into your community which I think is you know you certainly said all of those words um, mm -hmm. and I think really emoted that uh, that thought through your last couple of statements there so your purpose plus your promise equals your passion and and it's simple right so forget about vision statements and mission statements and all this other stuff you know Know what your purpose is. What is your promise? Yeah, thumbs down. What is your promise to yourself? What is the promise to your clientele? What is your promise to your staff? That will equal your passion. And then that's how you make an impact in your community. I mean, it's pretty easy, right? So we're talking about, we've sort of talked about this in our leadership talk, but let's talk about the other challenge that faces practice owners, and that's the team. Yeah. So I know a lot of people do struggle with this. Um, you know, if you start out and it's just you and you're answering the phones and you're doing all of this when you start, that's great. That's kind of how it works, right? But how do you know when you're ready to hire? How do you know when you're ready to hire, when you need a front person staff or you need a, a therapist to come on board? Are there specific financial metrics that one needs to look for for all of that? Yeah, I mean, again, if, if we're looking at it with the leadership, um, the leadership eyes. So we're, we're focusing on now, now we've talked about leadership. We've talked about mindset. So let's continue looking at um, looking at this through those eyes with that with that with that way of looking at things. And I would say it's not a specific metric. I mean, look, I, I'm not the expert on. There's a specific metric you can look at. You can get Chuck Felder in here, and I'm sure he would be able to tell you much clearer there's this particular metric. That's his passion, man. He's he's the man with that. I, I'll I'll promote Chuck for all that stuff. But let's look at it in a in a view of where is it that you want to go? Because Karen, let's say your vision. Right now you're doing your thing, you're going doing some um, uh, concierge high-level thing. Uh, with with your patients in New York, right? And let's say your goal is to have 20 people working for you. And let's say I'm in New York and my goal is to make 100,000 bucks, but I don't want to expand. I just want to do my own gig. Don't you agree that the decisions that we're going to make right now are going to be very different in our hiring structure? The reason that they're different is because what you want and when you want it determines what decision you make now. Because I have people ask me all the time, Jamie, when do I hire the front desk? When do I hire the next therapist? I don't know. What is it that you want? Well, I want to take my schedule that I'm working five days a week treating and seven days of work with doing everything 
and I want to do three days of work, three days a week treating and one day a week doing admin. And I just want three days off. I go, well, when do you want that? Well, I want that as soon as possible. Well, then how much are you doing right now? That would be a front desk person's job. I'm doing a ton. So how about we look for someone right now? Well, I can't afford it. Well, that's that's a different problem now. See, now we get to the root of the problem. And the root of most people's problem is their, is their, is their way of looking at money, especially with spending money or investing money. They will drop 15K on one of those, um, I don't know, what, what those treadmills, the underwater treadmills or whatever you call it. What are those called? The Alter Gs, right? The Alter G. Yeah, Alter Gs. I know people that say, hey, Jamie, I just got this cool Alter G program. How much? Ah, it's like 15, 20 grand. Did it come with people? What do you mean? Well, it it ain't going to get anybody in in there for you unless you do, you know, create a marketing strategy and all that. And if you haven't done that with your previous services, what are you going to do to create that? All you did is drop 15 grand on something. Why don't you invest that 15 grand on hiring a staff person that's going to remove some of this stuff off your plate that you don't like, that kills your energy level, that's preventing you from growing and looking at other things. So that's how I handle that type of question with people. It's not just an answer on a Scantron. The answer is B. You hire the person when you make $13,000 a month. The answer is much more about where are you going, what is preventing you from getting there, and is investing in this particular person going to help you get there faster? And what's your, of course, what's your risk tolerance? Okay, so that's, that's how... I help people go from where they are, or that's why that's how people go from where they are quickly to where they want to go. Now, for people that are less risk tolerant, and there's a lot of us out there, yes, I mean, you might not want to hire that person. You might want to kind of quote unquote save some money or hire a part-time people. And we can certainly talk about that. It, but it all go it always goes back to what you want and how fast do you want it. Because we are in control. Nothing else is controlling our future but us. So if you want to hire a PT, there are maybe some metrics with that. So if you're, if you're busy, if you're at 85, 90% productivity, your utilization is up there, um, and you're, you're really wanting to get this business going, yeah, you should have some cash flow coming in at 90, 95% to be able to hire somebody. But your administrative staff, you know, those people, you absolutely want to, uh, you know, look at what's on your plate. I do this exercise in, one, in, in my workshop, and it's a pretty cool exercise. It's called the Activity Organizer, and it's actually in the book as well. And what it does is help you look at what activities that are actually on your plate. Most of us have never written those down. It's a great exercise. You just literally write down all the activities you do in a given week. Every single one of them. And then what you do after that, you split them up between activities that you love or, heck, activities that you actually like. 
So treating for most people, treating patients would be an activity that they like. Bookkeeping, at least from what I've heard, is not an activity that people like. Answering the phones is not an activity people like. Scheduling patients is not an, not an activity people like. So then your next step is, well, who else can do that? And whatever you're paying for that person, is that investment of, let's say, $14 an hour, so let's say it's a two, $3,000 a month, is that investment worth more or less than your time doing it? And most of us devalue our time. And we're like, no, I'd rather save that money and do it myself. Well, then your time is gone and you can't grow. And you're not demonstrating leadership. You're demonstrating something else, but it's definitely not leadership. Yeah, yeah. You know, you do do what you love to do best and and uh, refer out the rest. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that activity. I did that activity organizer last year. And for me, it was like a real, it was sort of my aha moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you will. I uh, actually, it's, I think it's today. Yeah. So obviously, I always tell people like, we kind of tape, these are like pre-taped. This is not live. Um, so this comes out, this is out today, which is the 21st. And a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview for Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, which also comes out today, shameless pug for me. But um, part of that, he asked, what was your biggest aha moment? And mine was like, I was so stressed out because I was trying to do everything and realized I was doing everything. Some of the stuff was good and some of the stuff was not good at all. And so I went through and I was like, you know what I hate doing? Like I hate doing graphic work. I hate it. I hate it. It takes like four hours for me to come up with a graphic to put up on social media. It's crazy. I hated doing that. And I hated updating my website. I hated doing show notes for my podcast. I hated all of it. And as a result, it was like shitty. Like if you look at my show notes from like a couple of years ago, like they're real crappy. You know, the graphics are like sophomore-ish. And so I hired an intern and I hired a virtual assistant. And as a result, I'm so much happier. My stress levels, as we were talking in the beginning, my stress levels have gone down substantially. And now I'm able to grow my business a lot faster, even though I'm paying people. But I found a way to be able to afford to pay people what I can afford. And it's just making life so much easier. So if you think, if these are little things that you don't like to do, there is someone out there who can help you and do it for you. And a virtual assistant is actually a, a less expensive option, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's something for people to think about as well. Um, or an intern or something like that, because that's out there. So when you're looking for, for people to join your team, the team doesn't have to be... Like you said, it could be a part-time team. It could be a full-time team. But as long as you know what you like to do and know what you more importantly what you don't like to do, refer that part out and it just makes your life so much easier. Absolutely. Here, here's something that I love to say. You are not here to serve your business. Your business is here to serve you. Build your business around you. Build it around your superpowers. 
your natural ability, your passion. Build it around you and it will be the most successful business possible because you don't serve a great, um, you, you don't serve the business well by doing things you don't like. And frankly, you're probably not good at it. You just said it. You know, your show notes, you, you did them, you struggled through them, and they weren't even that good. And now you mm -hmm. have someone who's talented, who's yes, good at that. I do. Julie, she's you, very talented. That is happy to do them. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we can't believe that someone else loves doing our shit work. But guess what? They don't look at it like that. And, so we and, all have to yeah, and, and And I agree. And for me, it was finding that right person who was enthusiastic and who wanted to learn and who wanted and and who's good at it and she's good at it and but here's my, the beautiful my part VA is courtney is good at these things and and then they make me better right well here's the beautiful part karen what you just described is the exact process any person listening can do what you did is you became aware. That's the key. You were talking to your client earlier. Awareness, clarity, they're synonymous, right? You're becoming clear about something. Then you had to do something with that. So you were like, I'm clear. I don't want to do show notes. Then guess what happened? Because of that mindset shift, you immediately started focusing your energy, your time. And I don't think you have a ton of time all over the place because it's impossible to get a hold of you. So obviously your time is very precious. And guess what you did with your time? You could have done a million things. You then focused that on finding the right person to help you. And it doesn't mean you're going to find the right person right off the bat. That doesn't really matter. What matters is you're spending your time focusing on something that you know, once you find that person, it's going to relieve a tremendous amount of stress. Well, what happens when you are able to think more clearly and make better decisions? How much do you think that's worth? Oh, it's priceless. And, and then it opens you up to, you sort of have this free space in your head, right? So like earlier, no, is it last year? I bought the book from Marie Kondo, The Magical... Something the of, magic of tidying. Yeah, up. yeah, the the yeah the whatever magic of tidying. So I went through and tidied my whole apartment, and it frees up this space in your apartment. And I feel like right around that same exact time, like after I did that, I'm like, you know, I need, really need help with things. And so then yeah. I was able to hire people, and then that freed up that space like in my head. And so now you're able to think beyond what you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis and you can mm -hmm. actually think ahead 90 days like you said in the book you know yep. and you can think ahead I'm not like a one-year five-year plan kind of gal I am more of a 90-day six-month kind of a gal um, but not having to be so stressed out about all this day-to-day -day stuff because now I have the help and the team and the army if you will I think at the Women in PT, Sema Patricia Lattice called it her army, and, and that's really made a huge difference for her being a practice owner. And right. um, it's just, yeah, you're uncluttering your brain, you yeah. know? Uh, you wouldn't, if I turn, if, if people saw like what my kitchen table looks like right now, you would think I was like some sort of, I don't know, serial killer because there's just stuff everywhere. 
So that needs a little decluttering, but at least my mind is clear. <laughs> my table may not be, but my mind is. Well, I mean, I, I, you, you said that it was priceless. I would, I would not argue, but I would say, I bet it does have a, a monetary amount of what it's worth because we could go back a year ago and whenever you hired some of these key people to your team, I want to know what ideas you came up with between now and then. How busier did you get in your practice? You came up with the women, the the, the women's PT yeah. summit. Yeah. Who knows what else you got going? And those have a direct financial uh, component to it that goes directly to your bank account. So you can look at it from a financial standpoint, let alone a better life standpoint. And here's the other thing. You don't create the Women in PT Summit. Maybe you and I don't meet face-to-face like that. So how many relationships are you creating and expanding your web in the world because you hired a $15 an hour, $20 an hour, whatever it is, even if it's $30 an hour, compared to what you're capable of doing? And how much better is the world for it? Because you chose not to be selfish. You chose to spread your wings and share your gift with the world by allowing someone else to do what they do best. That's what this is about for me. It's a much bigger game and we can't do it all. So swallow our ego, swallow our pride and be the real leader in your practice and bring great people a part of your team and the people you hire first. And this is a very direct, implementable action item. Get people to take stuff off your plate that you don't like the most Mm -hmm. and do it tomorrow. I promise you it will come back to you a hundredfold. Yeah. It will come back to you. They will do it better. You will then slowly start to relax. You will make better decisions. Your relationships will be better. And really, the answer is, uh, or the next step is, repeat step one. Mm-hmm. Step one, remove what you don't like. Step two, find someone, either a person or a piece of technology that can do it. Step three, repeat step one and two. So would that be an example of a system, which would be the third challenge in, in uh, facing practice owners? Yes and no. That would be a habit mm. that you are creating. See, we are all conditioned to our habits. We all have an existing set of habits. I learned this from a, from a, from a coach of mine, Dan Sullivan, many years ago. And he goes, we all are already conditioned to an existing set of habits. So if you want to change your outcome, then all you have to do is introduce a new habit and focus on that habit. You don't have to change your habits because there's no such thing as changing your habits. Just start doing a habit that you want that produces an outcome again and again and again. So. When you talk about systems in your business, that's kind of a system for you. You know that your your process is going to be, I'm going to focus on removing something off of my plate, finding somebody that can do it. Here's where the system comes in, Karen, and this is why systems is number three. You are first, leadership. Your team is second, getting the right people. And the system is third. The system becomes what your actual team member is doing to produce the result. 
If you had to choose between a person and a system, you choose a person every time because a person can overcome a shitty system. But the wrong person will never overcome the greatest system in the world. So your person is second, your system is third. So your system is not this robotic type of thing. It's just a process. It's a method of how something gets done. A system could be, how do you answer the phone? What do you say? And the challenge we have as owners, because we are in our business day in and day out, dealing with the day-to-day stuff, we can never remove ourselves to help our team create these processes, create these ways of doing things, because we don't have time to think. We don't have time just to think about this stuff. So, of course, we don't know what we want it to be. And, of course, we say, I don't know. I hired you. You figure it out. And that's all well and good until what happens? They do a shitty job. They get crappy results. And now we're blaming them for doing it. Well, that was our problem. Mm-hmm. We never gave them direction. Direction, yeah, yeah. We never gave them a clarity. We never gave them support and mentorship. Aren't these things leadership? Sure. Vision, mentorship, support, confidence, uh, uh, the, the right path, and then they do it, and then we work with them? That's, that's how you build a really great, successful business. And it doesn't matter if you're small. You can still do this because of technology. This is the power of what I realized when I went through this um, many years ago when I started this journey. When people said, Jamie, you can't do this. And there are people that said it. And there are people in our profession that had said it. And I say hi to them and I smile. But I just used it as motivation. And they said, you can't do that. And the reason I said I could do it is because of technology. It's the, it's the fact that technology is getting faster every 18 months. It's doubling in the speed. Every 18 months, this is Moore's law. Every 18 months, it's getting half as expensive. That means you're getting twice the speed at half the price. And because of that, you can hire a virtual assistant. Because of that, you can outsource billing, collections. You don't actually need really anybody in your practice except the clinician. Actually, that's probably the only person you actually really need right now until telemedicine gets formulated. You need a clinician. An aide, yeah, you probably want a support person. The front desk person, I mean, I know some people that have actually outsourced that, but you probably need that person. So I knew I needed a front desk person. I needed a, a therapist who can treat people and bill and uh, an aide, the way we ran our practice, I, I wanted a support person. I didn't need anybody else. Every single person could be outsourced, and I did. And that's how I built it. Everybody was outsourced from billing, collections, marketing. Nobody else was physically in my space, but they were all part of my team. And because of technology, I could pay for just the parts I wanted just like you're doing with your assistant. You just pay for the hours that you want. So you're literally paying pennies on the dollar, but you're getting a service that you would have to have a multi-million dollar operation with 10 clinics to afford to hire some of the people that you have working for you that maybe used to work for some of those organizations. So you're getting their expertise for 
just a fraction of the cost and the hours sure. without the benefits and all that. And so what would your, because you mentioned technology a couple of times, so what are your top three, what are your top three favorite pieces of technology that you've used to help grow your practice? If you could choose, well, you could choose three, that's it. What would you choose to grow and to kind of build and grow your practice? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, number one, and I'm going to say this, but I'm not going to say, I don't want to get into what system I use because it really doesn't matter, honestly. Your EMR system, if you're having a practice that is um, growing, that's going to be bigger than you, then in order to make things efficient, in order to automate things, you have to have some type of electronic medical record system. Agreed. All right. So you have to have that in place. Because that helps with your scheduling, that helps with your billing, that helps really automate so many things. Yes, I know no system is perfect, and there's and, and you know we're getting and there's to, there's tons out there. You just have to pick the one that's right there's, for there's you. Mil- and that's why I tell people. Yeah. I say pick the one that fits what you want. Yeah. So the first thing you got to figure out is what it is that you want. What's most important to you? Because I don't care who the system is, and I know a lot of the systems, and I know the people that run the systems. And you know what? None of them are perfect. They all have flaws. So pick the one that does what you want it to do. Pick the one that does that the best. And maybe the stuff that you don't care about as, mo- as much, they don't do that as well. Which so is that's fine. the number one thing. Okay. What else? The, the, the other thing is you have to create um, some type of um, marketing dashboard Something, something in the in the fact in the fact of you, you got to have some type of technology within your dashboard. So, can you explain okay? that? So, a dashboard. There's there's a couple different types of dashboards. So, what I what I what I refer to as the simple financial dashboard. So, the simple financial dashboard is nothing more than uh, what I created was a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet that allows you to look at the key metrics of your company. And again, I call it the simple financial dashboard because it's supposed to be simple. It's not heavily involved. It's a snapshot of how your business is doing in the key areas. So you would put things like new patients and visits and cancellation percentages on there. You'll put your revenue on there. You may even put your payroll. You know, you would put things like that and then you would create formulas. So the power of it is the formulas. And then what I what 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 I did and what I would recommend other people to do is then, you know, put this in some type of graph form so you can actually see in a visual form the trends. So to me, that's technology. And if you have that, you're able to see things that you otherwise wouldn't see, which then allows you to make decisions that you otherwise wouldn't have made, which then takes you on a very different path. So one of the things that I highly recommend is get clear on your numbers. And you do that by utilizing a dashboard. And that's not hard to create. And so that, yes, yeah, so you could just take a regular Excel spreadsheet. And, and on Excel, you can make a graph right there in Excel. If you know how to do it, yeah. do it. If yeah. you don't, hire someone to help you build the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's number two. What's number three? Um, 
Technology, technology. God, there's so many things. Um, I think the simplest technology that I've used that really helped me was, and I didn't even have as much of it is, I, I used my Google Calendar. Um, it wasn't even Google when I started using it. It was mostly Outlook. But the, the greatest technology is the ones that keeps you organized. And for me, my calendar, and I've added some other things in there now that, that work with the calendar, but my calendar helps me keep efficient. And when I was really treating patients, one of the first things that I did is I started looking at my work week. And I have this exercise, uh, and I can explain it, is you look at your work week and you look at, okay, what am I doing right now every single day? And what most people are doing, they're trying to fit literally everything in one day. So you treat for part of the day, you do your documentations for part of the day, you may call back some patients, you may you know, open the mail, you may look at some bills. You're doing that every day. And that's very unproductive and very inefficient. So one of the things you wanna do is utilize your calendar and start creating primary days for particular areas. So I'd like to split it up between treatment days, administrative days, and free days or days off. And the easiest way to do that is to look at your calendar and start blocking your calendar out. So if you're working five days a week, chances are you're, be, you're, being, you're being very inefficient with your time. The fastest way to cut a day off your schedule, switch it to four days a week. Guarantee you won't lose any patience. But you'll gain an entire day. You do that by utilizing your calendar. So Yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. Okay, now, um, so we are running low on time, but uh, <laughs> I know. So the book, The Automated Practice, which came out, what, a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. So yeah, everything that we talked about today, you actually go into even more in-depth uh, explanations in the book. Yes. Which, which I think is 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 great and I sort of alluded to the whole 90 day kind of breakdown and which is also in there. Did you take a Todd Herman course? No. No, cuz he's he's big <laughs> on the 90 day thing as well. Um so is there anything uh in the book, the automated practice that I should say the automated practice success secrets for working less and earning more. Um can you, I mean, I feel like we talked about a lot of the stuff that's in the book, and like I said, you'll go into greater depth. Is there, uh, was there anything surprising that you found when you were working on the book that maybe you found about yourself or about your practice that you'd want to share? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, uh, it, it, it was definitely an experience writing the book. Um, it, it didn't happen overnight. It took me uh, about 18 months to, to write the book and, and get it to the way I like it and the way I want it uh, without being too much perfectionist and keep doing rewrites and edits and rewrites and edits. Um, let me just backtrack for a second. So the book is, is, is basically split up into four primary areas, which is marketing, management, money, and mindset. And mindset, we talked a lot about mindset. I go deeper into mindset. I go much deeper into marketing. 
I go much deeper into management and organization, and I go much deeper into financial, and we talk about this dashboard. So for anyone that says, well, you know, I thought you were going to go into more in the book, it's it's all in it's all in there and it's and it's much more so you'll get plenty of strategies and all that stuff and um and, and it'll be great so what i learned in writing this book is how hard i made this for myself i mean i i it, it's hard for me to explain how difficult i did i, I made my life I made my business, I made my staff, um, how miserable I made them and how, again, I won't use the word easy, but it's like anything else. When you know how to do something, it is kind of easy. How much different it is now in it's not taking people nine years to automate their practice, to basically create a practice that gives them freedom on day to day. I have clients right now that it's taking them 12 to 18 months from making a decision that's what they want. 12 to 18 months. That's insane. And and you know what I learned in this process is that we can create a great business in in less time than we think. But the one thing that no one will ever be able to do and nor should they is do it for you. And no one's going to be able to come up for the reasons except for you of why are you doing this? Because we know it just can't be for the money. And yes, there'll be more money in doing this, but there has to be something deeper and more passionate and meaningful to you. And when you tap into that, man, you're off to the races because the methodology, the formula, so to speak, is now there. So when I started writing this, I just started realizing that this was something real. This was something like, my God, this is this is real stuff. This could really change an industry. And then that's my passion. I want to change our industry. I want to create more people that are that are engaging in uh, more successful practices and and, and creating a, a, a deeper reach into the people that need our help. And we can't do it by treating everybody, but we can do it by creating a great business that attracts the best and the brightest and gives them a great place to work that they don't want to leave and go anywhere else. So that's that's what I learned when I was going through this process. I learned some other things, but those of are that was, that was kind of the big thing. Yeah, and then final question. Um, so I've been asking lately of all my PT guests, um, but what would the 2016 you like to tell your, I don't know what year you graduated from PT school, but your, your fresh-faced new grad from University of Maryland, right? You went to University yep. of Maryland. Um, so what would your 2016 you tell that, that exuberant, excited new grad back in the day? Um, good question. Good question. Um, follow your passion and follow your gut. You don't need approval from anyone to be as successful as you want to be. You don't need to, to follow some predetermined path. Like I was told, I was told, well, you should work in a hospital for a couple of years to get your feet wet to see a bunch of people. That's a bunch of bullshit. I was bored out of my mind in three months. 
You know, if you want to open up a practice, open up a practice. You're going to have to learn anyways. If you want to do it, do it and invest in your education just like you invested in your clinical education. So um, whatever it is that you want to do, invest in that. If you want to be the greatest clinician, invest in that. But if you want to go into practice, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then hang around people that are where you want to be and invest in that. That's what I would tell me in 1995. Okay. I, don't, I don't want to throw any dates out, you know? No, nah, that's, that's okay. I'm okay. I think I'm, that's I'm, great I'm, I'm proud of it. <laughs> and now, proud of it. where can people find you and find the book? All right. So to find uh, the book, go to the um, – you can go to Amazon, um, the automated uh, practice. Uh, you can go there. Um, however, my site, my new site just launched. You can actually get the book for free. Uh, if you go to the automatedprofessionalpractice.com, the automatedprofessionalpractice.com, you will see on the home page an area that says click for a free book. So all you have to do is play shipping and handling, which is $7.95, but it's half of what the book costs on Amazon, which is $14.95 plus the shipping and handling. And um, you'll get a book uh, shipped to you uh, right away. So uh, if you have any questions or want to contact me, um, you can reach me at Jamie, J-A-M-E-Y, at jamieschreier.com. Right. And we'll have all of this info. Jamie will give us all this, and this will all be over at the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So if I always say if you're driving or you're jogging or you're on your commute to work and you don't have a pen and paper handy, you can just go right over to this episode uh, in the show notes, my beautiful show notes that I do not write, um, and all this information will be there. One click, and it'll get you to the book. And if you have any questions for Jamie, and you're on Twitter. At Jamie Schreier. Okay. So there you go. So you can go to the automatedprofessionalpractice.com, get your free book, just have to pay shipping and handling, uh, at Jamie Schreier on Twitter and Jamie at jamieschreier.com. So there you go. There's no reason not to get in touch with you. So Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I learned a lot and hopefully everyone else did too. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate uh, you having me. Thank My you. pleasure. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC and on Instagram. I think I'm just Karen Litzy on Instagram. And uh, don't forget to like the page on Facebook. It's Facebook slash Healthy Wealthy Smart. And like we said, all the show notes will be over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So everybody, thanks for listening. Hopefully you got a, a lot out of this and you can start opening up your own automated practice very soon. So big thanks to Jamie. Thanks to you guys for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.